do this. Okay, so hopefully this is going to go better than last time. Um, oh, well, last time was fun, but yeah, we just didn't get recorded. Um, yeah, it was fun, yeah. Yeah. So it was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> poor people are never going to get get to hear that kind of conversation ever again. I'm not sure we can ever reach those heights. Yeah. Mm, mm. Um, so, so hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Uh, today, I am here with Dr. Owen, a fantastic new YouTube channel that has appeared on stunningly YouTube uh, and uh, possibly, I think, my oldest friend. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, oldest. Um, uh, yeah, fair enough. Okay, I'll take that. Um, that. That writes off a few of our sort of people that we were friends with growing up. I like that. That puts me pole position now. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. And yeah, as you alluded to, my YouTube channel is in fact on YouTube. So that's where you can find it. Dr. Owen. Yeah, let me pull it up here for people so they can they can see it in all its majesty. Um, it is actually very interesting, I have to say, aside from being yours, so therefore I watch it. You've got loads of cool stuff, um, which we're going to get into now. So I guess my first question would be, uh, how philosophical is lifting weights? How philosophical is lifting weights? It's a good question. Um, I think uh, it can be as much or as little as you want it to be um in terms of you don't need to overthink it you can just go to the gym three times a week because that's what everyone else is doing and not think about things and you'll probably do all right by it but um probably if you're in there and committing a lot of your life to uh physical training but also to sort of diet and other things around physical training it gets to a point where it's enough of your life that you want to have some sort of philosophical basis for why you dedicate that much time and energy to it mm, definitely what's your what's your philosophy like why because you've always been like you know into sports and in shape and like into your fitness and and you know going to the gym like what what is what is your um raison d'etre for it that's a good question um i think for me it's like always a balance of like the, the here and now the hedonism of just like what's fun what's going to be rewarding immediately and then like what's good for me long term and in the future and i think um without overdoing it without becoming sort of uh so full-on with exercise that uh you reach a stage of addiction where you end up self-loathing because you miss a session i think um if you can work it into your uh lifestyle in a, in a sort of balanced way but with quite a lot of it um i personally find that that kind of makes me happy in the here and now and it sort of pays off in sort of future me is in a better position to do whatever he he wants to do because he's fit and healthy mm. yeah i mean the 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 thing that really motivates me is just like i don't want to be that that guy at 50 who starts trying to get in shape because it's just, it's not not that it's too late when you get to then but like if you're if you're already in shape at that time of your life then it's going to be just your quality of life is going to be so much better and like your chances of, of yeah. living like of having a a healthy life in which you can continue to do all the things you would want to do will be extended as far as it possibly can be. Like, obviously there's a limit to that, but I guess that would be yeah. my, my motivation for it is that I don't, I don't want to be some frail old man. Basically I want to be Vince McMahon minus the steroids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, I don't know how old, he, how old he is, but, but very old, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it looks like he's, in good shape for it i haven't seen him for many years i've probably stopped watching wwe 
yeah, 10, I mean, 15 years ago. Yeah, I'm it definitely thinking, then. Then, yeah, I'm definitely thinking what he was like then. I don't think I don't think it's um, what he's like now that I'm really <laughs> suggesting. Yeah, yeah, and his and his avatars in the video games they were always on point as well. Like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, shredded. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there is obviously that sort of longevity, um, yeah, long termist out outlook that that you end up developing um, because yeah, the here and now I guess isn't enough to stay interested and uh, to keep your skin in the game for a long time. I reckon mm. for most of us. Yeah. So, what are your five lessons from stoicism for better health? Because that's kind of related. Like stoicism is very much about thinking about you know being intentional and trying to become the best version of yourself or express the best version of yourself in, in whatever instance you might be. So like, what, what are you taking from stoicism that's helping you with fitness? Well, I kind of thought that um, stoicism and um, fitness uh, and a sort of modern online sort of uh, influencer driven fitness culture um, of immediate results, uh, wanting it all yesterday, trying um, these, you know, new steroid variants and, plant steroid extracts and blah, 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 um, to, to get fit in one session. Like they're sort of at loggerheads completely. Um, and so if you are trying to justify why you wouldn't take these new chemicals that haven't been tested, um, for effectiveness or safety, um, and why instead you would take a long-term approach, I think stoicism does offer some answers. And also, I guess it can maybe sort of help you dampen out the noise when it comes to social media, always wanting to compare yourself with others, track your progress by benchmarking against somebody who's doing all these things you're not willing to do. Um, and I think stoicism in terms of sort of, you know, you can get really into and get fixated on the controllables um, and let go of what's uncontrollable. I think there's a lot of applicability there to a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, I guess that, that, would, that would be really applicable in people like learning to accept where you begin instead of being like, oh, why am I not, you know, lifting like that guy? You look over someone like racking up like 150 kg on the squat rack and you're like, oh, well, why am I not like that? Instead, you got to think about, yeah, what you can control. Um, so speaking of things you control, you on your channel talk about a lot of sort of, yeah, a couple of supplements. You're talking about creatine. Um, and the most interesting one, and I know we talked about this on the last one, that the, the, the audio didn't work. So sorry if we're revisiting this for you. But for other people, this is brand new. Um, you talked a lot about um, turkesterone uh, and testosterone. So um, do you want to start by like explaining what the difference is between those two? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, testosterone is uh, a um, fat-based or cholesterol-based hormone that we find in humans and loads of other animals and it's got a load of roles um it's got a load of roles uh in maintaining physique in terms of promoting uh the big one that's of interest is promoting uh, muscle protein synthesis and to do this it binds to these androgen receptors and there are other sort of variants um and derivatives of testosterone that also bind the same receptors and we've also got estrogen receptors on our muscles as well um and estrogen binds to these obviously um, and one of them, estrogen receptor B, is also in sort of lab lab um, mice rat studies shown to uh, stimulate muscle protein synthesis, but to a lesser extent. Um, and so testosterone stimulates muscle protein synthesis. Uh, some other things in the body also do estrogen maybe to a lesser extent. Well, it seems to to a lesser extent. Um, 
And so it's, you know, it's something that we're producing naturally. It's something that other people, lots of people are topping up with uh, unnaturally, um, either because they're addressing a deficiency um, with, you know, I think you've had other guests talking about um, testosterone deficiency sort of developing through through the years. I think the stat, the epidemiology of it in the Western world uh, is something like 1% drop off when you when you match for age in men every year since 1970. Mm. Uh, so we're down um, 50% from 1970. So testosterone deficiency um, is reasonably prevalent and common uh, and gets more common as we age. So some people are uh, replacing just to get back up to normal uh, physiological sort of safe ranges and other people are replacing their testosterone uh, or adding to uh, already normal physiological range ranges uh, basically to maximize muscle protein synthesis um, but it's when you sort of go above normal physiological ranges that the sort of side effects and risks start to begin to outweigh um, the benefits and the gains um, on the other side you've got terkesterone uh, which is found um not on the animal side of the sort of animal kingdom, but it's found in the plant kingdom uh, and insects, wherever they fit into that. Um, and so it helps insects sort of molt their um, exoskeletons when they outgrow one skeleton, they pop out of it and then they start growing another one, um, a bit like uh, crustaceans uh, and lobsters um, are the famous one within that. Um, and ooh. getting cold. Ooh. Back in the room, um, and so so that's what it does, um, and it's it's structurally quite similar, um, but much less similar in structure to testosterone than, um, for example, cortisol uh, or estrogen. Um, and neither of those are particularly aggressively anabolic. Um, cortisol not at all. Estrogen uh, seems only slightly anabolic. Um, so anyway, what do you what do you mean by the term gym, anabolic? For people, um, so anabolic. Anabolism uh, growth or pro muscle growth, um, essentially. Um, so testosterone is both uh, anabolic hormone in that it promotes muscle growth, and an androgenic hormone in that it pr promotes um, masculinization, masculinizing features of humans. Um, okay. So that would be kind of its role in sort of sexual differentiation when we're growing up. Mm. Um, so sort of development of um what was essentially once um female bits when we're in the uterus becoming male bits over time um and other things that sort of make men stand apart from women hmm. uh, so it has a role small role in things like facial hair growth um but that's more one of the things it breaks down into dihydrotestosterone yeah um yeah because yeah. then uh dht is like associated with male pattern baldness as well <laughs> yeah 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 which um yeah, I see you scratching your head. I think I've got enough hair at the moment that's not that visible with me, um, but it's coming for most of us. Um, I think I think the prevalence is 50% of men at 50 years of age um, have some degree of male pattern baldness. That's a lot. Um, yeah, it is a lot. And uh, what's interesting with us is it happens here and here, mm -hmm. and then also at the back of the head here. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious and distinctive from other um, causes of baldness. Um, yeah, because sometimes you like, get people so... with like, 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 just like gaps here, like right in the middle of their head, and the rest is all fine. There's just like yeah. a big hole in the top, like here. Yeah, yeah. Whereas um, female pattern baldness, which is thought to be basically the same condition, but in women, uh, also seemingly driven by DHT, they just get like diffuse generalized thinning. And 
So it's really hard to pick apart from, because it doesn't have that sort of distribution, that obvious distribution. Mm. Um, so I guess in a sense, we're kind of lucky because we're like, oh, right, well, it's going here and here and here. Mm. So let's address that sort of the DHT pathway. What can we do? Do we want to block DHT? Um, what else can we do to um, get our hair back or keep it keep it where the hairline is yeah. currently? I don't know, man. I, anytime I hear people talking about that, I'm always just like, oh, I feel like I'd rather have testosterone than hair. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> Do you um, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing, isn't it? Because, you know, people talk about um, creatine and hair loss. Um, people talk about various other things and their association with hair loss. Um, basically, if you have a lot of testosterone, you've got a lot of the main or the only substrate from which you produce dihydrotestosterone. Um, and so if you have, if you carry the genes that mean that your hair follicles are going to be sen sensitive to shrinking in response to DHT over time, just as we age, not even to do with aging and sort of getting older processes, processes and biological processes, aging, that time is just more association for DHT in those hair follicles and more mm. time for DHT to make the hair follicles shrink. And what, what happens is they don't actually disappear. They just get so sort of spindly and small that the hairs they're producing don't even break through the surface of the skin anymore. Mm. So they're all still there, but certain genes on the, um, on the hair follicles mean that they respond to DHT by shrinking, whereas other hair follicles and other parts of your body, um, like your beard, which is thick and fluffy today, um, so they, they grow in response to, and the hair follicles get bigger over time, in response to DHT. Um, obviously, yeah, if you don't have testosterone, then you're not going to have much DHT. You aren't going to see much uh, hair loss. Um, but th there's some sort of nuance to it that you can you can block the conversion of T to DHT um, locally. But... Really? Like doing what? Yeah. Or like I assume it's medication. Also, or is it that? Yeah, so, so there's one enzyme that converts the two. Um, and so we've got a... We've got uh, an oral drug that we take for um, prostate cancer and benign prostate hyperplasia, which is non-cancerous growth of the prostate, um, finasteride. Some people take that at much lower doses to stop the conversion of one to the other. Um, but that you're, you're still taking an oral tablet. You've still got the systemic effects. Other people just apply things directly to the scalp. Um, and so some of those treatments, they don't actually target the... Uh, hormonal basis of male pattern baldness they just essentially make the scalp a sort of more pro-growth pro-hair environment by um, stimulating sort of better development of the capillary network mm. um, so rogaine is the really famous one uh, that's made somebody somewhere but lots of shareholders lots of places i guess lots and lots of money yeah 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 i've heard about like um, people using like rosemary oil as well coconut oil i've heard sworn by but i've never seen any evidence that that actually does anything um but yeah i've yet to see any evidence on that yeah um, some interesting interesting stuff on red light therapy or low level laser therapy which i guess is a much less appealing name um All there are things. two devices yeah there are two say. fda approved devices in the u.s for applying red red lamps to your um scalp so mm. well if the fda reasonably... approved it it must be safe yeah <laughs> Yeah, but the, the trials behind it are um, pretty suggestive of um, good effects over sort of six months. Um, so. hmm. Interesting. There you go. Mm. Every day's a school yeah. day. Um, most of the 
Yeah, most of the stuff that I've ever read has been about about blood flow. That's what they've they've talked about. Because I don't know, maybe maybe yeah. as a doctor you have a like a better opinion on this than I do. But anytime I hear about like people trying to take, not necessarily like I'll just use hair loss as the example. But you talked about like um, was it finesse finestride or finestride or something? Finestride, yeah, finestride. Yeah. That they uh, you're talking about it blocks this enzyme that converts testosterone to to DHT. And at any time I hear that from a drug or like medication as a treatment for something that's like innocuous or like not life-threatening or something i'm always just like is that a good idea like should you be fucking with your body's like system in that sense do you know i'm always just it's i'm always like should we get involved in this is it just a bad idea uh, i guess i know what you mean because um nobody ever died of male pattern boldness mm. um the kind of second third line like sort of consequences the social and the psychological impacts of like your change of self-identity or not feeling confident or not being able to um confidently go out into the dating world or things like that like they're really damaging um but actually like can you address those things uh without modifying your uh internal sort of hormone balances like yes like there's stuff you can do to coach people to accept who they are even if they look a bit differently like, yeah or do what tim pool does we can do for ourselves yeah pardon do what tim pool does and just wear a beanie <laughs> Ah, yeah yeah i think a lot of people do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i so, don't know if it's like part of tim ferris and his headband as well um, yeah like although i think he's wearing Fer a sports headband not when he's sporting but that's true i think that's more for the look than it is for mm. the you know trying to hide his very bald head yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he does seem to own it half the time so yeah you're probably right he's probably okay with it yeah uh so so then, so you talked about um, like this, the difference here between t uh, testosterone and tergesterone. So I've got, I, I, I pulled up your video. So actually, exactly as you were talking about um, testosterone being more similar to estrogen and, and cortisol um, was the bit that was playing in your video where you were revealing the chemical structures of all of them. So uh, then I, I'm looking at the tergesterone, right? So what is it? And I know we talked about this last time, but what is it that people... Set, why do people think that this is going to help them in any way shape or form uh well i guess it's um you know social proof um and um kind of that parasocial relationship you form with an influencer you, you kind of form this one-way relationship through the screen and you learn to trust somebody and what they're saying and then they come out and happen to recommend or sell a product to you like they push it onto you and then you kind of don't want to feel like um and you've also got um the effect of survivorship bias where the people for whom you know they've started taking turkestrone and they've also started doing a couple of other things and they've um maybe really like tightened up their diet and tightened up the training regime mm. and and then things go well for them and then their muscles grow you know they're going to go online and shout about it from the rooftops um those people that you know their favorite influencer sold them their own brand of turkestrone they took it and nothing happened like those people aren't going to be so actively sort of pushing their their voice their opinion out into the world i don't think yeah um i think it's mostly just an example of that um good sort of branding like whoever came up with the name it's ridiculously similar to testosterone um in a way that those other chemicals that we've discussed aren't um in in a way that the other um phytoecty steroid or plant insect steroid um that's been more studied than tergesterone 
uh, particularly in humans that, that I referenced in that video, ectosterone also just doesn't really sound like testosterone. So it sort of doesn't have that appeal, mm. which is interesting because that's the one that's actually being used in the studies where they're um, looking for anabolic muscle growth effect in humans. They, they used ectosterone, not testosterone, but. So there hasn't really been like any, any studies that have been like, yes, testosterone has like shows some evidence of, 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 you know, providing aid to muscle growth uh no um i think i'm just trying to get this right in my head because most almost everything uh in that field is on a different plant and insect steroid um in terms of research it's on ectosterone i think there was one um there was one study in mice that showed that terkesterone increased rates of uh liver protein synthesis um that doesn't tell you what the proteins are they're not they're not the proteins that build up um, muscle um, could be one of the like myriad proteins that our livers produce. Um, so basically, no, there isn't any solid evidence um, that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane when um, that, what you said happens that people sort of stop checking and just start to believe whatever said influencer or, or podcaster says speaking of which today's uh, episode is brought to you by my pro no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and boss water yeah and boss water high yeah high profile hydration brands on board i like that i gotta say the boss water bottle if anyone ever sees me drinking it and they're just like oh my god what a dick he's drinking boss water it's because i got the bottle and i like the bottle so rather than keeping mm. like just buying loads of plastic bottles, I just fill up the Voss one. It's much better. It goes in the fridge, stays cold. It's great. <laughs> so uh, one of the other things you talked about on your channel a lot is uh, is creatine. So like, what is like what is creatine doing within the body? Because like I had this discussion with with a friend of mine the other mm. day, um, and I had said that when I was training in uni that we took creatine as a pre-workout. And then she was just like, no, 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 no. You should be, if you're going to take it, you take it every day. So like, w what is it? And and when is it most effective, if at all? Um, so, so it's made up of amino acids, but it's not technically like on a, on a sort of chemistry, uh, finicity level, technically a protein. It's um, a quaternary uh, ammonium compound. So, it's got most of the features of a protein, but not all the features of a protein. Um, and so made up of amino acids, it gets taken up into certain tissue tissues by a particular transporter on the, on the cell membranes. Um, so only skeletal muscle, um, cardiac muscle, the testes and the brain, uh, cells of these four tissues have, um, the correct, um transporter protein to take it up so it doesn't work like you know testosterone or a hormone it doesn't have all these wide varied effects throughout the body it just gets to those places gets taken up into the cells and then and then it does its job there in terms of the job that it does um the process for forming energy anywhere in the body is that you take an atp model mo molecule adenosine triphosphate you strip one of the phosphates off and you make adenosine diphosphate and this newly sort of liberated on its own phosphate iron. What creatine does is creatine's there when this is happening, just, just lurking in the background. It just catches that phosphate ion, sticks it back on and reforms the ATP. So you can go again, 
Um, okay. And this is called the um, phosphocreatine system or the phosphogen system. And essentially, like it's this third um, energy system that's quicker, but quicker and um, creates more availability of energy, but only for a shorter time than uh, anaerobic respiration and aerobic respiration that you've been learning about in biology lessons. Like everyone's been doing that secondary school onwards. Yeah. Um, so that's what it does. Um, in those tissues, it it provides sort of short bursts of energy. Okay. So would you would you recommend then if someone if you're going to choose to take creatine as like some sort of supplement, like would you is is it a pre workout or is it an everyday kind of thing? Um, so we know that the uptake into the muscle uh, is mediated by insulin, um, which means you get more sort of bang for your buck or more for your money if you take it with a meal um because meals are going to peak your in insulin levels um than if you just take it as a pre-workout with water or something like that um and the other thing that we know is um the target is to basically gradually saturate your muscle cells over time and this is a slow process doesn't happen instantaneously when you get it in your bloodstream um so to get to that saturation point where your muscle cells um have got as much creatine as they will hold um that's why people go for a daily dose um therefore it's not sort of your muscles aren't sort of emptying out a little bit when you're when you go a few days without training or you go on holiday or whatever um so that's why people recommend taking daily doses um rather than taking it around training mm. okay that makes sense so my friend was right and i was being stupid yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and the but one of the things that some of the research has shown is the one study that showed that once you get to this point of saturation uh, a normal I, I can't remember what the weight was but a normal adult male could um, maintain muscle saturation at just two grams of creatine per day and most people would take like sort of three to five um, grams per day so if you were taking five grams per training session uh, and training four or five days a week you might you might be all right um but it's kind of if you make it part of your routine if you make it regular and you're not thinking about it and it's just like there in the morning like next to whatever you drink with your breakfast or whatever um then you don't run that risk and that unnecessary risk is there is there like a is there a point of no return or where things become like damaging in in terms of like your dosage or creatine um, so there've been some pretty long-term studies on taking, uh, so sort of during the loading phase, they often recommend you do a loading phase to get up to saturation first, and then you switch to your maintenance, which will be three to five grams. And in the, in the loading phase, they take 15 uh, to 20 grams for somewhere between three and seven days, basically where the creatine goes, the fluid goes, and you can end up getting quite constipated and quite thirsty, basically, um, so that's relatively minor side effect. Um, you can drink, stay well hydrated um, and split your doses up to get rid of that. In terms of like long-term health and safety, uh, they, I think the big thing of um, the big thing of the video that's done best on my channel so far is that creatine increases creatinine independently of and um, uh, independently of the kidneys increasing creatinine. Um, and so it's kind of this false flag for kidney damage because um, so we use creatinine often to measure kidney function um, because it's a cheap, readily available way of monitoring how much of something there is in the blood that isn't excreted through any other pathway. So it's not excreted uh, in the stools and it doesn't get broken down in the liver. 
Uh, the problem obviously is um, creatine gets broken down into creatinine. Um, increase the amount you're putting in the top end. It gets broken down at a steady rate of about one to 2% per day. Uh, you end up with more in the blood. So you get these mm. uh, sort of, uh, sort of hard to read, sort of fictitious elevations um, in your creatinine. People worry that it's causing kidney disease. Um, most of the long-term studies on people with healthy kidneys, um, in fact, all of the long-term studies on people with healthy kidneys have shown that it doesn't cause kidney disease. Um, but depending on what blood marker of kidney disease your hospital or your doctor's using, uh, it can mask things like that. Okay. So it's, it could be then it, it's almost more like you might not detect other problems if you're taking a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If for whatever other sort of health reason you need, you need to be concerned about your kidneys and that's the only facility they've got in the laboratory. Uh, Cause there are other things, other markers used uh, sort of in big fancy hospitals and uh, well-funded healthcare systems. Mm, yeah. Stop at the NHS there, is it? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> <clears throat> no, we wouldn't possibly criticize the NHS. Um, they spawned such doctors as you. Yeah. How yeah. could we possibly blame them for this? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> one of the one of the things actually that that I haven't watched yet that I've just spotted on your channel is the 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 natural testosterone boosters and the evidence. So like, what what are your your seven yeah. natural testosterone boosters and and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't claim ownership over any of these. So basically, since time immemorial, since way before, like, you know, I uh, went to medical school, studied chemistry, did any of that, decided I should have a YouTube channel to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, people have been taking uh, various sort of herbal products and remedies for um, erectile dysfunction or low libido or, or to try and get bigger and stronger. Um, and Basically, there isn't a lot of good scientific evidence um, sort of the higher echelons of um, kind of applying the scientific method um, for, for any of these. So I just sort of went through the process of doing doing the literature search, see what's available mm -hmm. um, and discussing sort of the outcomes of uh, the randomized control trials that do exist. Right. So what are the seven? Um, so you've probably heard of ashwagandha. That's a pretty famous one, um, that I spoke about. Um, there's fenugreek seed extract. So fenugreek's like, obviously got that distinctive flavor, you know, when you're eating it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard but, of that yeah people crush up, crush up the seeds. Um, in terms of the other ones, whether you'd have heard of them or not, um, I've heard of some of them. Up myself. I got it here. Actually, hang on. We got tribulus maca. Yeah. So that one. Yeah, so mac is like um, you can buy that in like any health food store, like along with sort of flaxseed and things like that. Um, it kind of exists in that here's something that's kind of very dense in a lot of things. You should have it. It's might be a superfood sort of aisle. Okay. Um, tribulus is I don't know. It just sounds really good. It sounds vaguely testosterone-ish again. Um, so that one's been used in the fitness industry for um, like thirty or forty years. Um, without ever having any solid human studies to back up its effectiveness. Really? Um, like none? It, literally zero studies in humans that show that it's effective versus a placebo. Wow. So then yeah, we've got Asian, a... Asian ginseng, which I have heard of. Um, 
And holy shit, I'm totally gonna. It's hard to keep these. up. It seems like everyone's got their own ginseng these days. Fadjo. Um, Fadogia Agrestis. Yeah, see, that's a, another one, isn't it? Like, um, you know, Agrestis. What does that like kind of imply in your mind? Like, um, th yeah, this is one that's kind of really boomed recently and gained a lot of attention. Um, without much by way of uh human evidence. Uh, so they did uh. Yeah, I think it should be linked in the video description. They did a study on rats um, in 2005, uh, and it showed some positive effect on testosterone then in rats. Nothing in the 17 years since in human studies. Oh, what um, a title and... of that study. Hang on. Sorry, I have to read this. Aphrodisiac potentials of the aqueous extract of Fadogia agrestis stem in male albino rats. Wow, that is... That is <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, for, for, for anyone out there that's listening that is a male alb albino rat, mm -hmm. this is the product for you. Yeah. But for those, for those of us who isn't, so, I assume most of your your sort of viewership and audience, Josh, is is male albino rats. Am, am I right? Um, I mean, I can confirm that most of them are mammalian. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I don't know. There's probably a few lizard people listening. Um, yeah, just, yeah, you yeah. know, keep tabs on me. Um, mm, but YouTube wouldn't give you the analytics on that. They no, well, it's the, you know, the problem is that the... the Normally, when they're buying devices, they're registered to like humans instead of lizard people. It's honestly, it's kind of discriminatory um, of, of YouTube. I, I, I'm sure there'll be a lawsuit at some point soon. Yeah, quite right. <laughs> and then, so the last one was um, for Skolin. Is that how yeah, you pronounce yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, for Skolin. Good question. Good question. I've only read articles on it. I That's fair. yeah, I don't know how you how you pronounce force scaling, but yeah. yeah, I guess That's so weird. Like honestly, right. So I've heard of Fenu I've I've heard of Fenugreek and, and Asian ginseng discussed in this sort of area, right? But from yeah, yeah. my understanding you the, the these like tiny little supplements are not the thing that's gonna gonna like boost your testosterone it's got to be like a diet why like you can't just sit and eat crap and then you know just take your little shot of like fenugreek or uh tribulus or you know fadogia agrestis and then be like suddenly like pumped full of testosterone and like punching through walls like my understanding was like in order to actually boost your testosterone naturally it had to be like a diet wide thing so like the things that i've heard is um like things high in like saturated fats uh nuts especially almonds uh eggs uh brazil nuts uh and then like grass-fed beef as much as possible like these these are the things that i have personally heard like is is that accurate or am i also you know falling falling victim to junk science um so again not loads of human science out there but you know we know that uh testosterone being made from cholesterol if you're deficient in cholesterol you can't have enough testosterone you can't build something out of nothing um there's one uh systematic review ever uh on low fat diets and their effect on testosterone in humans uh and it did conclude that there is uh some evidence uh that low fat diets reduce testosterone levels in humans um it only had just over 200 participants across all of the seven studies it looked at um so that's kind of the 
um, flimsy sort of foundations on which we're trying to build build sort of um, arguments and draw conclusions. Um, so, you know, like hopefully there'll be more stuff coming out. But yeah, low-fat diets, extremely low-fat diets, bad for testosterone because you don't have enough of a substrate with which we make testosterone. Um, the other end of the spectrum, uh, hypercholesterolemia or having lots and lots of cholesterol in the blood. Um, again, similarly, um, thin spread of evidence, in fact, less evidence, uh, but the studies that do exist suggest that if you have too much fat in the blood, that again can reduce your testosterone levels. Um, I guess the question is, is that, is that like a sort of direct effect or is it that people that have too much fat in their blood tend to have run at sort of calorie surplus most of the time tend to be overweight um you know i don't know what you'd do if you sort of had a bmi matched sort of study on that what your findings might be mm. um so so making sure you get enough of those stuff and making sure you're not deficient in um in the substrates with which we build the hormones we want to have and also the vitamins that are involved in the process of converting cholesterol to testosterone mm. super important um, yeah. for, and for that that reason, that's why um, zinc uh, ZMA or zinc uh, magnesium um, supplements. I can't remember what the A is for. Um, I think the A is much lesser in terms of the importance of um, testosterone synthesis. Um, but zinc and magnesium both play a part. Um, vitamin D also, um, and that's something that uh, for us, like being so far from the equator and winter being so dark, and sort of you know leave for work, it's dark. Come home from work, it's dark. Um, you can end up with seasonal deficiencies in vitamin D quite easily. Yeah. So yeah, as well as, as well as making sure you've got um, enough fat to have some substrate from which to build testosterone. Um, substrate just being silly jargon for building block. Um, yeah. You need to have the building blocks to build it and you need to have the tools with which uh, cholesterol is cleaved into testosterone um, and you know zinc, magnesium, vitamin D all help in that process. You reminded me of a website called... Of a website? Yeah, it's called whatthefuckhappenedin1971.com. Just after you mentioned how testosterone had been dropping off, I was like, I wonder if this is mentioned in this website. Okay, can you see this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, is it the right way round for you? It's not flipped, is it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So All trending... So it just it goes through like productivity gate productivity versus compensation, real wages separating from GDP, uh, income gains going to the top ninety fifth percentile, income growth, um, decline in wages, uh, like in real terms. Uh, it just it just goes on and on and on and on. It's like what the fuck happened in nineteen seventy one. And does it draw conclusions or sort of give you the historical context, or is it just no? Just it's really it's, it's just saying what the graphic. fuck happened in 1971. I mean, the 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 there's two major arguments that I know are made about it. So yeah, the cumulative inflation, but it goes, it keeps going. Like okay, it's not just like food prices. Um, it's like house prices, it's gold prices, but then it goes beyond that. Then it's even it goes down if you go further down. We have got national debt. Uh, surplus versus GDP, um, but then the further you go down, then it goes into other like less like literally like financially joined things. So like energy consumption per capita drops, like instead of going up and up like you'd expect, it drops off. 
Uh, energy and real GDP per capita over G7 drops off a cliff. Uh, energy consumption per capita off a cliff. Um, there's this sudden like weird like flip in people's ideology that or sorry uh, in extremism like everything that had been trending towards more centrism suddenly is like going the other way. Political speeches suddenly started to become less complex and more like sim simple and like emotion based. Um, bureaucracy, I number pages in the Federal Register, like basically the amount of bureaucracy. Um, it, it's it's so weird. Like the number of lawyers per. per <laughs> um physics phds uh number yeah. of people incarcerated um it's it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on uh yeah yeah positions like cost of healthcare prices production of vegetable oil meat consumption randomly chicken just goes through the roof beef inventory like number of cows going down like it's it's really weird um and and I don't know exactly what to make of it. The arguments that I've heard made for it are basically um, someone said that that's when that's when the the US came off the gold standard. Um, so I'm get, getting a strange double face thing going on here on the screen. I don't know if that's oh. if you've got two of me as well. Quite curious. Ah yes, apologies. No, no worries. Um, there we go. That should be it, Ryan. Yeah, so the, the US came off the gold standard in sort of indexing the dollar to to the um, what gold's worth. Yeah, yeah okay. to to reality basically. Um, but yeah, I don't yeah. know if that explains all the other stuff because like there's um there's a physicist that claims it's all about um people failing to that like we we that's when we stopped investing in science and 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 how that like it, it everything flipped that the, the the economy suddenly started to be geared towards the financial system rather than everything else and that's when things yeah. really started to get get bad basically because everything became financialized yeah. and, and all the all the, all of the best physicists of our generation are currently working at goldman sachs in the risk department and doing an awful job mm. <laughs> <laughs> But but like yeah, so like that that that's the argument that he makes. And then when you mentioned the testosterone thing, I was like, well, that's one more for the fucking list. <laughs> yeah, add it to the graph. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird though that all of they these actually things... don't have it on there. They are missing one. They are, yeah. I should email mm. them. Do they have an email address? You should support yeah. our research. I reckon I can email them. Um, but yeah, I mean that doesn't really explain the drop off in testosterone, or maybe it does. <laughs> yeah, there's a physical solution out there that the best physicists in the world aren't working on right now. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's probably it's probably it's probably the point at which there was like a lot of like a lot. It was like the the beginning of a lot of the problems that we have today. We're all around that time because you started to get so post-war. You had like the rebuilding period. Then you had like the boom, golden years, like the '60s, and '70s, and then once everyone had started to like open up you know gdp was like exploding um then the people at the top then suddenly begin to amass way more money and power and then that sort of prevents the the free innovation and like creative destruction that might have otherwise like derailed perhaps some of these issues and instead like a lot of these companies became like entrenched monopolies and rent seekers so that might might be the reason maybe I don't know. yeah i mean i don't know enough about sort of american and global economic history to uh sort of 
wage a, a single sort of idea or thought in this sphere. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that much. I've just had the the the, the privilege of talking to quite a lot of people who do, <laughs> yeah, and reading their books. Uh, anyway, back to things that you are more well versed in. <laughs> I would sort of challenge you to find something I am less well versed in than nineteen seventies macroeconomics. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty much nothing. Uh, oh, I reckon I could go do. What about? What about uh, you know the DMT realm? Do you know less about that? And about you know military experiments attempting to communicate and map the DMT realm? I bet you know less about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would go with I know less about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's done it. He's done it. Back of the net. <laughs> oh, home run. Is that your third drink? Drinks uh, sort of brand uh, activity or brand association, or whatever you call it. Yeah, I mean it's a Dale Farm uh, thermal flask thing, and then I have a a, a how are you doing mug. <laughs> My protein and the Voss. I got many, I many liquids required to keep me talking. Um, no coffee today, though. I'm trying to not have as much caffeine. It's probably not that good for me at, at the the doses that I'm consuming it in. Okay, okay. Um, but thinking of things that people shouldn't be cutting back on, uh, I wanted to ask you about this because I was talking to someone about this the other day. Uh, we were talking about this weight loss drug that like half of fucking the the celebs are using in America. Um, Ozempic, have you heard of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so is Ozempic, I think Ozempic is the brand name for people who are taking this to manage their diabetes, aren't they? And then Wegovi is the other brand name for the same drug for those that are just looking to lose weight. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard bits about it. Um, Obviously, I think it's a much bigger thing over in the States at the moment. Um, in, in the UK, they're talking about, I think, umming and ahhing. Have, have the NHS recently made a commitment to to buy some Wagovi? I think they have, but but it's relatively nascent over here, I think, isn't it, compared to compared to over in the States? Yeah, to be fair, we're just so much we're just so much less medicated. Um it's it's really, yeah. really weird. Um Yeah, it is. Yeah. Ah, here it is. Semaglutide is being being proposed potentially to be given as a weight loss drug on the NHS. Holy shit, that's a bad yeah. idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it depends who you are, doesn't it? Because I think, uh, you know, when the NHS was founded, um, it was about sort of helping you to avoid um, sort of sudden, obvious uh, causes of death at uh, points at which you don't need to die. And... Um, yeah, what the role of the NHS is now no longer, you know, reflects that initial vision, does it? Well, um, no, not really. But I just, yeah. in terms of the... I was just thinking in terms of like, because I've seen, I don't know if you've seen the stories, like there's stories about this, um, this girl, this TikTok influencer who was using it to lose weight. Um, and then it's like, because it's an appetite suppressant, right? And but the, yeah. pro the problem is that it's not doing nothing to your metabolism. Um, so that when you then stop taking it, you're all of a sudden like ravenously hungry and you start to pile the weight back on. So it's either you take it forever mm. or um, yeah. you may initially lose weight, 
but then mm-hmm. like you like this this tiktok person was just like yeah i can't remember what their name is i'm not on tiktok someone was just showing me the video on youtube <laughs> um, i am that <laughs> old um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of just get like I, I, I see why people like it, and I understand it too much to 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 actually do it to myself because I know it would just cost too much of my time. Um, yeah, yeah. From from an outsider perspective, it's easy to look at it and be like, right? Yeah. Do I do I need like this constant stream of things that add no sort of long term benefit? They don't educate me. They don't tell me anything anything i didn't know they just show me things that are instantly just easy on the eyes basically yeah do you need that yeah and like also like sometimes when i see like youtube shorts and like what or twitter is doing it as well now we have these like one two minute videos and you flip 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 i'm like what once i've heard a minute of something and i'm interested i want to hear the rest i don't want to hear the one minute do you know what i mean i want the long form thing which is still why i just Mm. listen to like rogan and lex friedman basically because <laughs> they're the best long form things that i've uh, you know come across um yeah but yeah so so i was just like i was looking at this and this this person is they 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 just they were like yeah i'm putting way more weight back on like way more and i was like holy shit like and, and the nhs is considering giving this to people like isn't this just gonna yeah, make the problem yeah, worse <laughs> that's a lifelong financial obligation isn't it yeah yeah, and then and yeah. then I mean, really, shouldn't we be like giving it to the people with diabetes? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's um, you know a fixed sort of constrained mindset. Like, well, if the profits flow, which they will, the pharmaceutical company will will like you know increase their their production of the of the um, chemicals. Like, mm. they're going to pump out a lot of semaglutide. Um, so i guess locally like on on certain levels there might be um local distribution issues um but if it's super profitable like nova nordisk or whoever it is that owns um the patent are going to make enough for everyone that's diabetic and everyone that's obese or everyone that's slightly fatter than they want to be is i guess the more uh concerning case and usage isn't it there's just anyone that maybe doesn't like how they look when they look down um is going to end up on wagovi um and then we're going to get to this sort of paradigm of not only is everyone touched up in all the photos online, everyone is also touched up all the time in reality by taking these drugs that, you know, artificially slow the emptying of the stomach and therefore make you feel fuller. Therefore you eat less. So suddenly like if you're that weirdo that's on the outside and not taking this thing that makes you eat less, like you're going to end up feeling like, I don't know, a balloon or a blimp. Mm. next to all these people because everyone else is taking Wagovi and it's like yeah there'll be a lot of social pressure could end up being a lot of social pressure to be on it yeah it says it can cause inflammation of the pancreas vision problems hypoglycemia kidney failure <laughs> serious allergic reactions and gallbladder problems although the most common side effects include nausea vomiting diarrhea stomach pain and constipation <laughs> Just yeah, go for a yeah. run. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is, um, you know, people wanting a solution rather than, you know, wanting to enact change to prevent it happening. And, you know, how do you encourage people to uh, take preventative, proactive steps to do things? Like, it's it's not like, it's not a million dollar question because actually the funding and the 
uh, sort of reward system for pharmaceutical companies actually funds developing a problem and then creating a solution to it rather than don't develop a problem. Um, but yeah, how, how you change behaviors so that um, people basically take a higher agency view of the world in which like, you know, they can control what they're doing in terms of feel like they can control their inputs and, um, you know, outputs in terms of exercise and, and how do you promote that agency that they shouldn't be looking necessarily to, um, unless maybe you've completely emptied the barrel and other things or have, you know, there's always kind of um, certain medical conditions people can bring up where they're like, well, actually in this case, this person needs it. But like for most of us, most of the time, like there are choices we can be making each and every day to stop us gradually accumulating weight and ending up overweight or obese, aren't there? So yeah. how do we empower people to make more of those good choices, basically, um, rather than pushing a drug on them once the uh, manifestation of the bad choices has already come about? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Although, I'd, to be honest, I look, I, I look at people and I'm like, how did you end up like that? Like right now, I, I've like, I've kind of tweaked my shoulder, right? So I haven't been to the gym in about three and a half, four weeks. And I'm already like, you're getting fat, you're getting fat, you're getting fat. <laughs> and like, I don't understand how people get like, and and realistically, I'm actually, I weigh less because I've lost muscle mass. Uh, but I'm still like, mm. you're getting fat, Josh. I, like, I don't understand how people get to that point, you know, where, where they're looking down well, and they can't see their toes. I'm like, how, how did you not stop before this? Yeah, I mean, I guess you've got like, you know, that, privilege and like arrogance of of someone who's never been overweight that for whom it's easy and it's easy for me to talk about it as well so like hi uh you know in the hypothetical sense of like you know someone with your cognition and your thought patterns for you it's like unthinkable for me it's also unthinkable because because i would be sort of having similar messages and i would be doing what i can to um restrict eating if i suffered an injury and therefore kept eating at the same rate that I currently do to sustain being able to exercise quite often. Um, but I think there are, there are like, you know, problematic behaviors associated with maybe they have, maybe some people are experiencing the same thoughts, but they're, Oh, I'm getting fat. I'm getting fat. Their response to that is to seek comfort in the refrigerator. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what can you do about that? Is there, do you just sort of replace um, one sort of vice or, or crutch with another um, something that, is low or zero calories um is, is that one of the ways um yeah it's it's like one of the challenges of our times it's perhaps not as sort of, sort of sexy as landing somebody on mars or something but um you know yeah. the world getting fatter and fatter progressively uh is a really interesting fascinating challenge it's at loggerheads with you know this talk about you know longevity is all the rage these days yeah. um and yeah we might be amongst we might be witnessing now or now ish um, life expectancy declining for the first time since the industrial revolution revolution yeah, no, it did it did, in, definitely did in america right last year yeah um, yeah so that's new and UK. profoundly different and, and it's just not following the trends that you know we we're expecting things to kind of take off and hopefully sort of reach some sort of point where um things really start accelerating um yeah uh, well, with long, longevity escape velocity and all that but yeah well, the sugar, the sugar industry really did a fucking number on us because that's one of the things that's probably causing a lot of the obesity is like sugars and um, what do you call it? Um, why am I losing the word now? The high fructose corn syrups, things like that, that are just. Yeah, horrendous. yeah. So we've got 
and they're the things that are probably like limiting the longevity as well because anytime i ever listen to anything about about you know life expectancy or things it's just like the the like headline things are like sleep and mm. sugar or well not yeah not eating sugar yeah. not eating refined sugars um which is yeah yeah well i guess yeah i guess that um part of it is just this this um you look at kind of evolutionary biology and it wasn't that long ago two three hundred years ago um and then obviously more start sort of the further back in time you go where um basically a, a good metabolism back then was you could latch onto and hold on to and store any energy that was available to you because we lived in a time where food scarcity was a lot more common than food abundance um and there are these things on the um evolutionary biologists talk about um sensory specific society satiety sensory specific satiety where if you have a particular sort of flavor and texture you you get you reach a point of boredom or fullness when you take it in but then if you get offered at something else you you can um go for that and you can enjoy it um and so back in back in ye olde days before agricultural uh before industrialized agriculture this was if you if you've got a scarcity of something and you've run out of it you want to find something else that you can eat so it was a, a advantage back in food scarcity to be able to do this nowadays when we've got this food surplus in the west in industrialized countries um it's a disadvantage because it means you can you know you can smash a load of french fries um three hot dogs but then sensory specific satiety means actually you've still got room for an ice cream uh and maybe like a thick shake as well because these are all different sensory experiences that we can you know make room for even though we don't actually have more physical space inside of us but we can keep sort of adding different things to it um so i think it's yeah it's really interesting um and yeah these things that used to be beneficial to us um and in terms of you know uh, genetic sort of evolutionary time scale um you know things haven't changed that much but in terms of culture society food availability now that thing that used to be beneficial and used to confer survival reproductivity benefit means you know when you go to the buffet you're going to smash six plates even if the first plate you eat is like what would normally be fine for dinner for you because you've got all these other experiences like it's it's crazy I'm just thinking Heike in Innsbruck. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know if that place is still open, but it's it so is, good. It is. I walked past it like last month. So much food there. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, yeah, same, same thing. And at least that had the moderator of you would pick out the food, they would then cook it for you. And hopefully some of those satiety signals are like happening in the interim and that slows down your portion sizes. And their bowl, uh, so their, their plates weren't that massive either. But no, like, that's true. Although some of the buffets did... you go to, like, I was going to say that that seemed like a serious disadvantage at the times, but maybe, uh, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it was serving as a benefit in the long run, I think. Um, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, Over processing um, and creating these foods that have these um, things, that, chemicals, um, food substances, substrates, whatever you want to call it that we've never experienced and not only have we not evolved to process it and use it in a way that is pro-health neither has our gut microbiome which has been following us around and being passed down generation to generation um that's not used to this stuff and that's being reshaped by what we eat um and it's also failing to process this new stuff that that it doesn't have the genes to produce the enzymes to break down 
Wow, I have learned a lot in the last 10 minutes. I didn't know there was an evolutionary reason for that. So that that is very cool. Because I always used to argue with my mom. is like, look, it's it's two different stomachs. If I can't finish the broccoli, I can yeah. still have the ice cream. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, now yeah. I know that there is um, an evolutionary should... reason. <laughs> yeah, if you'd have said, it's biology, bitch. No, don't say that. I'm sure. Not to your mum, not yeah, to anyone. Sure my mum would have taken that Not to anyone's mother, not well. to anyone's daughter. <laughs> Uh, she doesn't listen to this does she no of course not. <laughs> um anyway unfortunately uh, as fun as this is i'm gonna have to run um as i have to go yeah yeah friends. yeah because you're Ooh. putting on so much weight yeah i gotta go well no i'm gonna take my new yeah. bike out for a ride that's exciting oh fun that is exciting it's getting a little yeah. dark so the new light as well probably <laughs> mm. anyway um Owen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, everyone check out Dr. Owen. I'll link it in the description. I've shown you some videos while we've been talking. Um, is there anything else you want to plug or just your YouTube channel? No, that's more than enough. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Josh. No problem, man. Hey, everyone. Thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast. I love that you tuned in this long. Do me a favor, hit subscribe because 80% of you bastards are not subscribing, but you're watching my videos. See you next time.